What's up, footy fans? It's your host, Hugh Roberts, bringing you back another Backyard Footy Special Edition. I have here together the four members, the executive members, and the chairwoman, Kaya, all of us of the Anti-Racist Soccer Club are coming together for the relaunch of the Anti-Racist Club, talking about the origin, talking about what we hope to see in the future, why we started, you know, how things have been progressing throughout the year, and not even just, you know, in the men's game, but the Kaya shares the women's perspective as well. A very, very intricate episode I think everyone can learn from. Definitely tune in and let me know what you think. And I have some very, very exciting upcoming episodes. Tune in, subscribe, rate, comment, let, let us know what you think. Reach out to us anytime, and I hope you guys enjoy. So what's up, everyone? How's everyone been doing? Enjoying their day? Still the morning for me, so <laughs> not much has been done. How's things uh, kind of been progressing for you guys? I mean, all of us in general with this dealing with uh, the whole anti-racist club forming and this whole progression over the year. Uh, I would say I think it's been pretty interesting, the response, uh, the initial response, you know, when we first announced it um, and still people being interested um, as we go through the process of, of figuring out things on our end in terms of onboarding and, and what, uh, what it's going to look like, you know, keeping clubs accountable or whoever, whoever's involved. I think um, it's been interesting to see who's been interested in joining and who's who stayed interested um, throughout the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been one of the coolest things for me too, kind of seeing the reaction and people actually, you know, all the Zoom calls that we've had in the meetings, people, you know, they might not be the most educated on the fact of what we're talking about, but they're willing to listen. I think that's the biggest thing when you want to implement changes, having ears that are willing to listen and, you know, enact change. Yeah, I think it's been really cool kind of joining. I kind of joined later the project than you guys, but being able to do, help guide it into into a direction that's sustainable, I think is a big thing. On our end, we've been working to try and figure out, you know, how can we make this something that lasts and something that actually is accomplishing the goals that we're setting out to accomplish. Um as well as, yeah, seeing the reaction for everybody. I think there's a real need for this across the soccer landscape. Um, there's a real need for DEI. There's a real need for accountability for things involving anti-racist work within soccer. So it's been really cool to see the reaction and, you know, kind of just come up with a way to make sure that we're doing what we're setting out to do. Let's talk about why we formed this group, though. Take it back a little bit, kind of last year in a sense. Why do we form this group and what's our mission? I think Bilal should answer that one. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's it, it, it's pretty apparent that there's, um, you know, systemic racism throughout the country. So, you know, it's tough for people to wrap your mind around tackling that. But the four of us specifically working in the soccer space, you three being pro players and and just everything you all accomplished, I think it makes sense to try and tackle the issue specifically in the realm that we're comfortable with. And that's, of course, the soccer landscape. Like, not only since launching it have we, you know, realized that the need and demand for this, but I think, you know, one realization I've had is you know, the, the sport in this country is way whiter than I am in initially uh, anticipated and ever realized. And I'm coming from a lot of times like the boardroom where, you know, it's as white as the doors in my background. So um, it's like, how can we, you know, 
I told you all from the beginning, um, you know, I'm sometimes the, the darkest person in the room and it's, I feel it's pretty unfair for me to have to be the voice representing the black community at times. Right. Like, so that was one of the main reasons, you know, when people come in and say, Oh, we need this and that, and let's ask the law. Like, no, we need better representation across the board from ownership to supporters groups, to players and, you know, the, the game in this country deserves better. Right. So that sparked this whole thing when, um, the, you know, you all and I connected on the USL Black Players Alliance. Um, you know, I had been working on this in the background and brought it to you all. And um, the, the ball just started rolling right from there. I mean, we've been working on this for I don't even want to think about how long it's been. It's been it's been a long time, you know, so it's not something that we haven't put in a lot of thought into. We've collaborated with so many different people and groups to try and make sure that we're inclusive in the process, that we're listening and that we're building it the right way. But, you know, boiling it down to why? Simple, you know, to fight racism within the sport and to to start to bring out the what we all thought you know we loved about the game was the diversity of it you know it's really in our country we've somehow taken that beautiful part out of the out of the beautiful game quote unquote yeah i think that was like what you said earlier one of the big reasons i really wanted to get involved um was just talking like hearing hearing initially what what your vision was for it um and, you know tackling those issues specifically um, you know, for me in, in the boardroom, I think that's that's the biggest one for me is like there's a massive lack of representation of black and brown people in, in the highest echelons of the sport. And, you know, you can you can simply see it by and I didn't realize it um, that much until I started doing my own research uh, and started going to just websites and looking at, at different people's front offices and their executives and, the, you know, league executives and in various leagues. Um, and it just kind of, you know, you don't think about it much until you, you start to realize like this may be something I want to do. And then you start to go and, and do your own research and realize like, wow, there's not that many people that look like me that are represented in, in these positions that I want to be in, uh, at some point in the future. And I, you know, I'm trying to figure out why that is and trying to figure out how we can fix that. So that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to get involved. And I, I love what, what Bilal, um, initially had brought to us and, and how he wanted to tackle this thing. And so I thought, I thought it, was, it was a great mission and I'm excited about what we're planning to do. Yeah, that's, sorry, sorry. Can I go no, ahead? go ahead. No, finish your thought. It's kind of exactly how I felt too when you reached out for law. I actually kind of noticed these things as early as my like sophomore, junior year of high school as one of the few black players, pl players playing academy, but dealing with like a bunch of white coaches who didn't understand not just black players, but Spanish players, all of us minorities in general. I was hoping as I got older, all of us were playing as a pro, all of us are getting through college that more black coaches and minority coaches would be there. Now I'm here in Charlotte and I was coaching out here for the past two years, but I actually just stopped coaching because I couldn't deal with any of that anymore. And dealing with that for two years, I was probably one of two black coaches in this whole area, just you know, coaching these kids. And it was just an eye opener for me. And so when you reached out after you know, our discussions with the BPA and things, I was like, this is kind of a no brainer. It's what I'm fighting here you know, behind the scenes now as well on the field too. So, you know, I commend you for initiating all of this as well. Thanks. And then uh, I think it's important to, you know, then talk about how we got our missing link and chairwoman involved too. That's what, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I was just going to say like, 
when you guys approached me was when I was coming out of like a serious depression from having been harmed from these very structures that we're talking about. Um, so I kind of was like at that point, a dog jumping at the bit just to get involved and try and, you know, not avenge myself, but fix these institutions and these structures so that nothing like that would happen to anybody who looked like me ever again and that nothing would happen to the communities that I cared about. Um, so, yeah, no, when you approached me, I was super excited. I was kind of surprised that, you know, it hadn't gotten more attention. Yet. I know we hadn't launched yet, but it was just this incredible kind of golden goose egg that was in front of me. And I'm, I'm just happy to have been even a fraction of the part of what we're doing here today. So yeah. And, and I know that we all have been in one way or another harmed by the structures in this sport. And I think that, you know, could go for almost anybody in these marginalized communities have in one way or another been harmed by the institutions that we see, whether that be pay to play, whether that be all white ownership groups, whether that be, you know, direct racism in sport. So I'm just excited to hopefully be a part of the solution. Um, and I couldn't have a better team by my side to do it. So, so Bilal, kind of address for us kind of like the origin within the 10 point plan. How did, what, what did it start out, out as was just a 10 point plan? How did you kind of initiate that and come up with that? Yeah, the OG, man, taking it back. So, I mean, um, I, I started this program called Community Kicks um, a few years ago. Um, where we basically introduced basic soccer skills along with the summer feeding programs um, around the state in Michigan, right? And so I started getting really interested in summer feeding and school feeding and why kids don't have food. And that path led me to the Black Panthers. And I just, you know, have been, been familiar with the Panthers work before, but really, we're, you know, mo I was educated in a white system and a white society. So I was taught that they were extremists, um, you know, black extremists. I just thought Black Panthers guns. You know, I love Malcolm X, always have. But, you know, ooh, Black Panthers, um, you know, I didn't understand much. So I dove in, started educating myself, um, you know, because if I was going to be working at these summer feeding programs, I, I wanted to know everything. And I was just wow, I was ignorant. Um, and so I started like real, I mean, that's where the journey began when we started community kicks in 2018 was like, I, I have a lot of learning to do. So the, obviously the inspiration of, um, the black Panthers 10 point plan, you know, stuck with me. And, and that's where like the foundation for the idea for a 10 point plan came from. And then, you know, um, you know, we collaborated with different, um, supporters groups, including like um, my club, AFC Ann Arbor, our supporter group, the Main Street Hooligans. We collaborated with scholars from around the country um, and we just started developing it. And it was a challenge because, you know, it's like, how do you pack the dealing with, a, you know, trying to create a solution or a roadmap for dealing with racism in, in, in our sport specifically when, you know, each of our markets have um, different issues and so that's where we really tried to, you know, as the plan evolved, it was like, let's try and make it more of a blueprint that can be adaptable um, to different cities, different markets, different problems. Um, you know, so that's, you know, we, when when the plan started, I think um, 
you know, it's been through a few iterations, right? Like I would say at the first point it was, it was even more, you know, it, it was borderline militant, you know, like um, it was just real strong and it needed some, um, I don't know, just some, just some fine tuning and some collaborative, uh, you know, like some collaborative approach to it. So when you all got involved and the other, uh, you know, folks, especially like the Sporting Justice Collective and Dr. Weems and, and their folks, when they got involved and really started impacting um, the language we were using and, and what we were trying to accomplish with each point, I think that's when it got to a point where we're like, all right, we, we got we got something really, really like special here. Right. And that kind of touches on the next topic. I was going to talk about our progression over the year, too, because that 10 point plan when you reached out to us helped formulate United Against Racism campaign within the USL. Me and Brandon took to the league, helped form a bunch of other initiatives that even supporters groups are now using, you know, to help them have more of a structure, too. And you know, I honestly, back then, didn't really see all these things kind of transpiring. And, and now, you know, we can talk touch on the BPA another time, but things haven't been going, going as smoothly as we thought it would be, but we're still seeing things on TV. You still have a United Against Racism every jersey. There's still, we're still having discussions on, you know, what we want to do next year as well. So, you know, having that idea and following that kind of led to this whole progression in general. But I also wanted to touch on our progression, how we've worked from, you know, last year only implementing United Against Racism within the league, but Kaya bringing that, the 10 point plans to the women's game, how that affected things, you know, through this whole progression as well, too. Yeah, I think from my experience um, in the past year, obviously I've been doing some sort of activist work for a, a while, um, last five years maybe. Um, seeing the response to George Floyd's murder and in general the Black Lives Matter movement and seeing the ways in which it was co opted um, for a very performative kind of activism, especially in NWSL and I mean, in a lot of leagues across the country, I think really put things in perspective for me and just reiterated how important it is to have actual tangible solutions that are actively fighting against racism. Um, I feel like the way in which those kind of uh, gestures were co-opted, like kneeling or wearing T-shirts or, you know, doing fists like I'm with you it frustrated me a lot and so I think there's definitely a lot of room for growth in terms of the women's game um <laughs> I think my experience in the NWSL and with me recently coming forward about a lot of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes I think it's opened a lot of people's eyes to just how much work there is to do and I think that kind of leaves the door open for a lot of the work that we're presenting with people. And I'd like to think that a lot of people in the women's space are excited and ready to do the work. So I think that's kind of where anti-racist soccer club comes in, um, especially the coalition aspect of it. I think these problems are only going to be tackled if we're working together in harmony and towards the same goals. So I think, while there has been definite growth, there is still a lot of room for improvement in the women's game. So that's where I really think ARSC is going to come in to help. What's been the, like the responses wise, just based off the club, some of the women's clubs, maybe like Gotham's FC or something that you've had a conversation with? Yeah, I feel like 
fans especially are very fed up. I, I know from being in the position of a player, it's hard to speak up sometimes for fear of retaliation. And I mean, the NWSL only had an anti-harassment policy this put in place this year. So I understand uh-huh. it's difficult to speak up from that perspective, but I think definitely from the fan side, fans are just fed up. And, you know, I think that they're demanding more from ownership. They're demanding more from clubs. They're demanding that actual tangible work is being done and not just um, performative actions. They're constantly questioning partnerships and, um, you know, they're just looking across the board and trying to (laughs) make sure that their clubs are being held responsible for what they're doing in terms of their anti-racist work, their, um, you know, their LGBTQIA plus inclusion work, um, their gender equity work. So I think that the momentum is there. And again, I, I think the response is there. So it's just a matter of, you know, uniting people across all these different fronts and uniting people intersectionally to work on these issues that are plaguing the women's game and soccer in general in America. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I asked you specifically, because, you know, you always hear about the men's game as well, too. But as you see throughout this year, there's been a lot of issues in the women's game, too, and all that needs to be addressed and changed as well. So I appreciate that. Let's talk about this relaunch, though. What does it mean to us and kind of why are we, you know, announcing this relaunch and doing this again? Um, I mean, I think it's just to to get back out on the forefront. Uh, I know people saw it before and then, you know, the, the momentum kind of died down as we kind of worked on some things behind the scenes on our end. Uh, but now, you know, we're ready to get rolling again. And we've had, you know, a good amount of interest from, from supporters groups, from clubs, from even from, you know, youth leagues. And, and I think it's time, the time is now to, to go ahead and just get things rolling. Um, you know, we've got everything ready on our end. And I think that the interest is there for us to, to really start making Im- an impact from the youth level all the way up to the professional level. So I think the relaunch is just going to be a necessary piece to, to get this thing kickstarted again. It's been a super collaborative process, you know, over the last year or whatever. So we're just trying to engage with different groups and people to identify what the best way to move forward. And I think, you know, Kaya really led the plan for how to, how to put our accountability pieces together. And now that we have all of that kind of action, um, that plan in place, you know, and, and have vetted some of those um, uh, potential collaborative partners, I think we're just at a natural point where, um, we're ready to start, you know, building our membership for the coalition, you know, really. So uh, I think before we launched, people were kind of like, wow, we didn't even really know about this. And, and really, that's what it's been over since we've launched. It's been just people really learning about, you know, what we're here to do. And, and now it's to a point where it's like, um, you know, we're, we're ready to onboard members and, and grow the coalition so that the work that we've kind of wrote, you know, mapped out very, very well, um, we're ready to kind of just roll our sleeves up and do it. And that's, that's the whole thing, right? It's been about um, performative words, right? To this point, it's, it's a lot of statements, it's a lot of releases, a lot of this, and we, we've got to push for the action now, right? If you look back from, really, uh, you know, over the past year and the pandemic and over a year now, it's the, the actual change in, that we've seen in the game 
I, I, I don't see it. You know, I don't see a more diverse boardroom. I don't see, I see responses to things that happen to, um, you know, uh, please, please, please the fan base enough to where the bottom line won't get hurt. Right. So it comes down to, to profit chasing and, and putting, putting profit over people. Right. So how can we continue to fight and argue and, and push for equality? Uh, you know, when everybody's white, right. It's like, we can't, you know, trying to onboard certain clubs. Well, Where's the representation that we can connect to that would understand where we're coming from, right? That's not in place right now. So we've got some hurdles in front of us. And that's where I think that coalition, once you kind of put that all together, the relaunches is saying like, Hey, we're, you know, we're ready to kind of put our, our forces together. We know how to, to fight those battles now. Um, so who's ready to fight them with us? Mm-hmm. Not like that. So then the, a, a club applies, for example, then what? How do we specifically help these clubs? What will they kind of get in return? I guess I can do this one. Um, yeah, so the system that we kind of have set up is whatever organization you're with, whether that's a fan supporter group, whether that's a club, whether that's a league, you kind of set out an initial interest form, and then one of us will get in contact with you to then get you started on approaching your 10 point plan, filling that out. We have a very extensive form that should take a little bit of time to complete. Um, And we encourage people to be very thoughtful with their answers and really dig deep into what they're trying to accomplish doing this work, the reasons why they're trying to do it and where they're lacking so far in it. Um, So then after you submit that, you will be assigned a case manager that's going to help walk you through the refining process and who's going to help, you know, just kind of get out all the kinks and stuff from your plan. And I think something that's really important is with all anti-racist work, you're not always going to get it right on the first try. And so I think we've really designed this process to be very holistic and um, collaborative So finding out what works best for your organization in your market with your circumstances is something that we really want to emphasize and make sure that we're all doing the work where we can with high standards still, but kind of meeting each other in the middle to then push forward and get actual tangible work done um, in a very sustainable way. So yeah, whether that's working with me or Brandon or Bilal or you, like you'll definitely have some people who have the expertise to help guide this work. And um, then you'll go, you know, after you submit and you get all your final reviews done, then you'll be approved into the coalition by our board. And that's where the real work starts. That's when you have to be held accountable for what you put in paper on your plan. Um, whether that's, you know, a monetary commitment, whether that's commitment to create new programming for underrepresented minority kids, um, whatever it may be, that's where the real work starts. So I think the and the big thing that, that Kaya said there is like we don't expect perfection. And I think that was 
some of the feedback that we got back initially was like people were scared to join because they couldn't commit to all 10 right now or they weren't sure how they were going to get all 10 done. And so they just didn't want to go ahead and do it. And I think that's the big thing is like we're not creating this coalition because we want to start judging people and, um, you know, hey, you're you're bad at this and like, you know, start pointing fingers Like we want the work to get done and we're willing to roll up our sleeves and get it done and help these organizations to get it done. But there's got to be a commitment from their side. And like like she said, like we're going to meet people where they are, like wherever you're at right now, like we're going to help build a 10 point plan that's going to be most beneficial for you, your club, your area whatever it is and and work from there like it's not going to be like hey if you're you know these are the 10 points this is how it is if you can't if you can't you know uh figure it out then then you're just not a part of this like it's it's we want people to join we want people to take action we want people to be involved and in order to do that we do, we're, we're willing to you know meet people where they are do the work and 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 help them develop plans that are going to be best for for them in their areas and the great thing about all that too is that they have us as a resource as kai explained each of us will have you know a certain amount of groups or whatever but to have us players former players and all of us have experience with speaking up and using our platforms as well and know how to make a difference i think you know that goes kind of beyond what your money is getting paid for because it's gonna that education is gonna set you up for life kind of thing and you i feel like if it was other people who are not necessarily using their platform or you know just kind of educated as we are you know you could, you could probably get steered a different direction, but, you know, they're fortunate where they get some experienced players. So I think that as well is a big benefit and on top of what everyone else is saying as well, too, that you won't really get anywhere else. So I see on the site as well, it talks about 1% revenue contribution. How, what does that entail? What do the clubs need to, you know, have to have, they have to pledge 1% how does that kind of work? Well, I mean, our, you know, the way our membership works is really we're looking for members to apply and join. You know, we're, we'll, we'll figure out the, the pricing based on the needs of the club and whether it's a club, a supporter group, a league, you know, so we're having conversations with all, so many different people um, and organizations and each one's needs are so varied that, you know, there's not really like a flat membership fee per se, um, but you know, basically we want like-minded people who are willing and wanting to make changes within their organization. You know, we're the platform, right? So most people can't go out and hire uh, a consultant or a full-time person that is going to, you know, lead them down um, a DEI type of path and um, education that can really make, you know, make their programs more inclusive and change the, the change that they need, right? So we're more like that um, additional arm. And like we said, it's going to be different for everyone. So the, the idea is apply, join the coalition, get in, and your membership fee will kind of work on um, based on like, you know, um, what, what you can afford, what you need. Um, we're really just trying to build the coalition at this point with, with, with the right people. Right, right, right. Same here. I agree with that. Future, futuristic wise, what do you, how do we all see and envision um, this group progressing through the years? Uh, I mean, the the word coalition is, is the biggest thing for me. I think it's just going to be a lot of different groups joining from youth clubs and leagues to supporters groups and professional clubs. And, you know, even if it's individuals, um, but working together and collaborating together to help build, you know, 
anti-racist soccer environments uh, around the country um, and, and educating people. Uh, that's, I think that's one of the biggest things as well, uh, which is going to help us build those, those environments that are going to be more inclusive for, for minorities uh, in our sports. So uh, I'm just looking forward to working with a bunch of different groups in a bunch of different areas to, to learn more about those areas and how we can improve those areas and, and what we can take from those areas and, and you know, do it here in, in Charlotte. Uh, to, to kind of help the, the environment here. Yeah, I was going to say as the coalition grows, I hope that, you know, our network of people will grow, our network of perspectives will grow. And with that, I hope that we can eventually become a source of really awesome programming in anti-racist work. That's kind of my vision for it. Um, so in addition to doing the on the ground, boots on the ground work um, within the soccer space, I hope that we can create a network that has ample resources for anti-racist education, especially having to do with the sports space, but, you know, overall too, that's kind of my like ideal vision for where we're headed with this. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what I want to see as well too, is, you know, the trickle down effect of us here, us for minorities here. I want to see that as well. Almost every single MLS club or USL club, whatever or you are, doesn't have to be just like this, but at least, you know, a small percentage or something, and that's going to affect more coaches. That's going to affect more black representation and players too, and just minority players as well too. So I want to see this. They see us, they understand us, they educate us, they learn from us. Now, can they start using that concretely, you know, for decades on for the rest of their board members membership? And I already know that's going to impact the youth, just seeing them, seeing more coaches in general. It's like, okay cool like he must I can see myself within him as well and they're going to aspire to be one of us too so that's one of the things I would love to see as well that trickle down effect yeah for sure man that's going to be a huge part of it I think it's it's tough to like think about what we could be just because it's been so wild to see what it's already um, kind of grown into for me but you know the thing I think that we will naturally become is there's no real solution like if you're if you're a professional league even right, who who can you work with that's authentic, real, and doing you know um, more than you know fancy uh, corporate board executives and quite honestly white men, um, you know there aren't any other solutions out there that are comparable of what we're bringing to the table. Um, and you know you look at other sports, there aren't really even that great of um, options. So. I think, you know, the conversations we had early on, for example, with um, uh, one of the one of the people we talked to early on was uh, Professor Vitali, who's the author of The End of Policing. One of the first things he said was like, he's like, have you shown this to other professional leagues in other sports around the country? Because I think this has, you know, potential to be adaptable in other sports. Right. And so. I really think once once our new accountability process and plan takes action, um, I think it could become the blueprint for for how to how to create actual change within a system within a sporting system. Definitely can see it being that blueprint as well. So, lastly, for me, how can a club get in contact and you know get started on this? They can look at our website. <laughs> <laughs> anti-racistsoccerclub.com okay. 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 or um, our Twitter, which is ARSC Coalition. 
um, which will have updates and hopefully a lot more information about what we're doing and how to get involved. I think a lot of people already follow that, which is super cool to just see um, how much support we've gotten, even from just a soft launch. So um, definitely just look at our website. You'll find all the forms there. You'll find how to contact us individually there um, and get started with your 10 point plan. We hope that you will join us. <laughs> Definitely yeah. join in. I, mean, I think the biggest thing is just people just need to reach out. Like if they, whether they're hundred percent about getting involved or they're still not sure what exactly it is, just, you know, just reach out, get the information. I mean, I'm here to talk. I know you guys are all here to talk and then can, can share, uh, you know, plenty of information about what we're doing. And so um, I think at this point, it's better to, to at least get the information uh, that's better than sitting on the fence or, or not doing anything at all. So um, that's what I would encourage people to do, whether, whether you're going to, you know, do it, dive in or not, like at least figure out what, what it is that, that we're doing. And the, la the last thing I would add is that, you know, what makes our sport unique um, and why this makes sense to start this battle fighting racism in sport through soccer is because we're a communal sport, right? We have supporter groups. So that's the most powerful piece to me. Like, your club has issues, your club um, isn't taking action, the supporter groups can get involved, right? And that's where we have experience and we can help support the supporters in how to actually start to create a system where they can force, uh, put some pressure on, on, on people within the system to make change within their club. So, you know, you, you might be, feel like, um, um, it's not possible. Your club's not going to apply. Well, if you're part of the supporters, that's where I really think that, you know, that's what makes this sport and, and this whole program unique is that we're going to have the fans voice control the need for change. And I think that's, that's pretty powerful. Well, I appreciate you guys. It's a dope episode. Definitely reach out to us, not even just on the website. If you have any questions, DM us and reach out, email us, whatever links are on the website as well. Link on all of our social media links are on, online as well too so definitely reach out but i appreciate you guys again looking forward to talking to you guys again soon having you guys on again i appreciate you Hugh. thanks for having us backyard footies brought to you by the beautiful game network podcast that's bgn.fm on the internet you can also follow them on twitter at the bgn fm